Oh, you just hit that play button and made a great decision. This is Mike Signorelli. I am the co-lead pastor of V1 Church, and I have the pleasure of introducing my wife, Julie Signorelli. And listen, you've got to stick around for the entirety of this message she's about to preach, and here's why. We have been tackling some of the craziest, hardest questions that you have, your friends have, and how I know that is that the last two weeks I preached on, if God is so good, why are their pain and suffering in the world. And then the second week I preached on, does God even exist at all? And you have all been telling me that you've been sending these messages to your friends, your family members who are atheists, agnostic, who've walked away from the church. And we have so many incredible stories. And so I couldn't think of a better person to continue this series than my wife. And she's actually going to talk today about the question, If this thing is so powerful, if Christianity really is what you say it is, what other Christians say it is, if the cross really has the power that we say it has, why are Christians' lives still jacked up? Why are they still diseased? Why are they still getting divorced? I mean, where is the real power in this thing? So if you've struggled with this question, maybe your friends look at your life as a Christian and say, you're the reason why I don't even believe in Jesus, because you know they do that. This message is for you. So for the next 25 minutes. I want you to lock in, take notes, get ready for my wife, Julie Signorelli, as she delivers part three of Read Receipts. This week, we're going to be talking about, here's the hard question. Why isn't my life fixed yet? I've asked Jesus into my heart, but I still got things. How many can relate to that? So the title of this week's message is called Fix It, Jesus. Amen. Have you ever just been driving and you're like, fix it, Jesus? So I have some funny memes that you might have seen it on the internet. I thought this one was good. I can't. Jesus, fix it. (laughs) This is my favorite one. Looking at my available balance like, fix it, Jesus. Which, for all the grammar queens in the world, I should say, you should start by fixing it by putting a comma right there. But whatever. I digress. Might help the available balance. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but sometimes I will find myself saying, fix it, Jesus. But what I, what I really mean sometimes is that I don't really want to put much effort in it. I just want you to fix it for me. Has anybody ever been guilty of that? And so a lot of times, or we look at someone else's life and we see them failing or we see them struggling and we're like, Jesus, just fix them, please. Anybody have family members can relate? Okay. Don't say yeah if they're here. It will. (laughs) So we blame Jesus for things in our own life. Gosh, why am I such an idiot? Lord, help me. Or we blame Jesus in someone else's life. And you might say things like, well, I thought they were saved. I thought they go to that V1 church. I thought they were tithers. Why are they still broke? I thought they were worship leaders. Why aren't they perfect? Or I thought they served the church, but they won't help me move. Hello, we talked about that. And so then we have our own struggles and we pray and we say, Jesus, I'm a mess. I'm still broke. I've asked you into my life. I'm still broke. I still yell at my kids. Hello. Oh, I'm the only one. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, okay, you too, me and you. I still eat McDonald's. Okay, listen, that stuff is engineered to taste amazing and to be addictive. 
So anybody who says they don't eat it, I like kind of don't believe you. It's like a moth to a flame. For all the crunchy moms, I'm really sorry. Teach me your ways. I'm still fearful. Jesus, I asked you into my life. You called me to do this big thing, and I'm still afraid. Guess what? I'm scared too. I get scared. Somebody had said uh, maybe a few months ago, they're like, well, you just love speaking. I'm like, what? <laughs> no, I don't. I, this stresses me out. I, we, we had a friend in from out of town and her husband, they're pastors as well. And I just kept apologizing. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm yelling so much. I'm just trying to concentrate. <laughs> and uh, this whole situation gives me fear, but it's w- about what I do in response to my fear. You know, Allison, who led worship, maybe you know her, maybe you don't, but she just had a baby, people. This morning, that's hard. She had to be here at like seven, whatever time, and juggle kids and whatever. That is, I'm sure she had moments where she was like, I don't want to do this. It's too hard. But it was her response to her fear, right? We all have things in our life, not just ministry, that we have to do anyways in response to our fear. And just because we're saved doesn't mean we stop being scared. Amen? I still get nervous. Your nerves is not an indication of what God has called you to. That's just a physical response to what we feel because guess what? We're human, people. Am I the only human in the room? I still have grudges. I got saved and I still can't stand some of my family. Not my family. Love you, mom. I know you're watching. Why isn't my life fixed yet? Or you might have skeptics on the outside of your life that might have seen you accept Jesus and they might be asking that question about you. Well, if they're saved, why are they still a mess? Maybe you've met someone who's given their heart to the Lord, but they still have a hard time figuring things out. Or maybe you are here today and you're saying, I still can't figure it out. I love Jesus. I've accepted him, but I still have addictions. I'm still bitter. I still gossip. Fill in the blank. If the enemy cannot stop us from believing in God, which is what we talked about last week, guess what he'll do? He'll stop you from believing in yourself. He will stop you from having faith for others for them to change. And so if we won't doubt God, Maybe our faith in God is so strong, but our faith in ourselves to actually do what God's called us to do, maybe it's weak. I want to share a scripture with you. Yeah, well, exactly. You got to help me preach this morning. Everybody practice. Say, well, can make me feel better. I'm just kidding. You don't. <laughs> Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us. Now, I know you guys might see me and Mike pastoring and all that stuff. But guess what? We were a hot mess. We were a hot mess maybe, I don't know, eight years ago, nine years ago, 10 years ago, whatever it is. I've lost track of, well, I guess we've been married, yeah, 10 years ago. And we just couldn't get it together. So you might see us now. And I remember getting this prophetic word when we were, we were just serving in church. We weren't in ministry or anything. And we were serving in church. And this guy, uh, this pastor prophesied, and he's like, you're going to sing songs together. And you're going to lead thousands of people to the Lord. And in my mind, I'm like, we broke all of our dishes last week in a fight. 
<laughs> I was like, there's no way. And I just remember having this prevailing thought that my life is never going to be normal. In my family and in my circle, maybe it's the South, maybe it's how I grew up, you just don't get divorced. You just stay married forever. You might be miserable at your 65th wedding anniversary, but guess what? You're still married. Anybody else have families like that? All you Italians know what I'm talking about. You all know, you all know, you've been to the anniversary and you're like, they hated each other, but we'll give them this silver plate. <laughs> We're going to commemorate your fights with this golden platter. Now you guys are going to be trolling on the internet and your family when you see it. But what I... <laughs> Never underestimate the power of commitment. I do believe that God honors that. But anyways, I just remember surrendering to the fact that I'm committed to this marriage, but my marriage is never really going to be what I want it to be. Or I've committed to this life because I'm very just loyal by nature. Even if I wasn't a Christian, it's just my personality. It's like my, it's like, I don't know, it's just in me. I'm super loyal, loyal to the death. And it's like I knew, I just, I couldn't see God's design. I, that prophetic word or that, that thing that he spoke over my life, it just made no sense. And I remember thinking like, you are crazy. That is never going to happen. Like we can't even be in the same car without fighting. We fought all the way to church and all the way home. You, nobody laughed because you don't want to sell yourself out. But let me tell you, a lot more you do it than we'll get credit for <laughs> I remember thinking we're never going to be normal. And one day I was in worship and, you know, because I was, I was praying. I was like, Lord, I, I see our future. I saw this church. I'm telling you guys, I seen it. I seen it in my heart. And I knew that God had called us to ministry, but I kind of resigned to this fact that that will just be a pipe dream, you know? And some of you can relate. Maybe it's a business or maybe it's a, an endeavor or a hobby or whatever. And I just couldn't see how God was going to bring it through us. And I had this vision and we were in a room with blue, like light blue walls. And we tell this story at like marriage conferences. So maybe I've shared it before, but we were drinking out of red coffee cups and we weren't talking. It was just normal. Like we weren't throwing them at each other. And I know it sounds funny, but you guys, that seemed so impossible at that time because we were such failures. Ephesians, that scripture about God's handiwork, it's like I was saying it, but in my heart, I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't see it. And so many years later, after a lot of therapy, hello, if you are having trouble, please get help. Like, man, that was so powerful. Yeah, you can clap for that. Do not be ashamed to reach out to a couple you trust or a therapist or marriage counselors or what a books, whatever you need. Get the help. And we had a very long, this was not a prayer meeting and we were good. My family's here. They can attest to this. This was many years and many sessions and a lot of money <laughs> later that we invested. We did not, that was money well invested. And we just sewed into our marriages or marriage. We didn't have more than one. Okay. <laughs> we went to conferences and we did that. And one day we had moved into this other house by a miracle right before we moved to a year before we moved to New York. And I, I didn't paint anything because we weren't going to be there long as we were moving to plant this church. And we, I looked up and all of a sudden, me and Mike were drinking coffee out of red coffee cups, and the walls are the exact same color of the vision that I had 10 years ago. Let me tell you, God cares about the details, and he is not intimidated at your failure. It is so easy for me to look at our life and what it was and to be ashamed of it. 
to be fearful of it, to think how could God ever use it? Guess what? He did. I can't explain it. That song, Reckless Love, that is my jam. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. But yet somehow God in his mercy had brought us through that. And here we are having the most normal interaction. And 10 years ago, I didn't even think that was possible. It sounds silly to even say from this platform because you guys see this. But guess what? Mother-in-law was, am I lying? No. (laughs) No, we're not. So I get it. When will I ever get rid of this stronghold in my life? Fix it, Jesus. I get it. I've had the same thoughts. I have the same thoughts. I look at how fearful I am to be up here and to prepare for these messages and have kids screaming and all these responsibilities. And I think, Lord, how are you going to do it? And then somehow in his mercy, I just keep saying, okay, Lord, I don't feel like it, but yes, Lord. Let me tell you, yes, Lord, will take you further than anything, than any class, than any session, than any conference, than any mentor ever will. Yes, Lord. Just get that in your spirit this morning. Failure, the definition, I'm going to move through this super quick. The definition is lack of success. This is just like Webster's definition. Lack of success and the omission of an expected or required action. Failure just means maybe it didn't turn out how you thought. It was your expected outcome. I just want to give you some culture. And it says V1 culture, but really it's just kingdom culture. It's just being a Christian culture. But I just want to share with you, this is how our church, this is how, this is like family meeting. This is mom talking to the fam. This is how I want us to deal with failure. Because just for show of hands, who here has failed at something in life? Everybody. There's a couple in the back that aren't holding your hands. I'm going to assume you're holding babies. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt and say you're holding a bagel back there. But um, we have all failed. And so here's how I want us as a church, as believers who are locking arms and saying we are not doing life alone. This is how I want us because we are going to watch each other fail. You are going to watch me yell at my kids at some point and be disappointed in me. I am going to watch you yell at yours, and I'm not going to be disappointed at you because I'm that mom that has a screaming kid in Target. Another story, another message. V1 culture. Number one, we have grace for failure. We have grace if someone's outcome didn't go as expected. We have grace if their outcome is different than what we think should have happened. Number two, we love progress. And progress isn't succeeding 100% of the time. So that includes failure. We are okay with failure. That's called grace. Grace is, uh, is an abundance of mercy when you don't deserve it. Grace. We fail forward. Anytime someone comes to me with failure, and if you've sat in my office, you already, you're going to laugh because it's like I always have a smile on my face, which I don't mean to. But I always have a smile on my face because I know when they're at their lowest, they are about to see God move in a crazy, awesome way. I am not intimidated when someone comes and says, I just wrecked my life. I did this. I did that. I'm stuck. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're about, you're on the brink of a miracle. This is awesome. We fail forward. If you've had a business that failed or a marriage that failed or a ministry that failed, guess what? 
God is not wrapped up in the person or the circumstance or the goal. He's wrapped up in you. And so if you keep saying, yes, Lord, and you keep putting your focus on him and you take the failure and propel it into mercy and grace and saying, Lord, I'm throwing it at the cross. Guess what? You are going to make it. And let me tell you, I've been a failure and I felt like one. And when you're in that moment, and maybe some of you can relate because maybe you're going through something right now, you don't feel like you're going to make it. I felt like I was going to get a divorce. I felt like I was never going to have the ministry that I knew God had called me to as a little girl. I felt like that. That's real. I've been there. And so some of you have said, well, Christianity is so powerful. Why hasn't it changed my life? I can tell you that I've prayed for things that have not come to pass. I've had miracles, though, in my life. I've had fearical, there's a a word. I've had physical miracles in my body when I was pregnant with Evie. I won't go into that story because I don't have a lot of time. But I I was healed. And she, I had many, a couple of miscarriages and she was born fine, totally fine. And so God, God did a physical miracle that was verified on on an ultrasound and all that stuff. But then when I went to pray for my dad, he died. Now, I don't know why that happened, why Evie was a miracle and why my dad passed, even though we prayed the prayer of faith. But here's what I know is that Number one, heaven is never a failure. And our greatest miracle is being received into the presence of Jesus. That gave me tremendous comfort, and that took me a little while to get there, but I got there. And I will tell you that if you're experiencing and you're praying the prayer of faith, and you're not seeing anything happen, I want to encourage you that the best thing about Jesus is that you don't walk through that failure alone. And so I may not have gotten the outcome that I expected, but I know that I didn't walk through that season by myself. And I still had questions. But I want to tell you that my faith in God is not wrapped up in an outcome. It's wrapped up in a person. And so if you've struggled with fear, I just want to encourage you, don't put that on the circumstance. Just throw that fear at Jesus. He can take it. He can handle it. I want to tell you just a really quick paraphrase story about Noah, okay? Can you guys all envision Noah in the ark? Everybody on the same page? Okay, cool. So Noah was found righteous by God. I'm paraphrasing real fast. Noah was found righteous by God. Noah obeyed God, built an ark, which, you know, at that time was nearly, you know, impossible. Noah worked with God, built the ark, saved humanity, all that stuff. Then he gets out of the ark after the waters receded. Go read it, Genesis 5 through 10. He gets out of the ark. He builds an altar. He worships God, this triumphant you know, uh, this triumphant uh, situation where, you know, God had redeemed humanity and there's a whole parallel to Jesus there and you can study that on your own time. And then some time passes and it says that Noah builds a vineyard, Noah drinks the wine, and Noah gets drunk or crunked. (laughs) Whichever, crunk in the club, thank you. (laughs) He was crunk in the club, in the vineyard club. See, God commissioned Noah to build the ark, but the vineyard was his own thing. So in my mind, as I'm reading this story, I'm like, well, he got off mission and God didn't tell him to build the vineyard. He did it for himself, right? Have you judged someone else's situation like this? I totally judged Noah this week. And 
I was reading this commentary and it says a lot of people have questioned why did Noah do this, okay? And this commentary said, could it be that Noah was a little distraught over seeing the entire earth destroyed? Ooh. And all of a sudden, I had this overwhelming grace. Now, he sinned, and it, some of his sons covered his sin, and some of them did, and that's a whole story. So I want you guys to really dig into that this week and tell me what the Lord reveals to you in that. But I thought, oh, my gosh. I want to read to you some failures that were in the Bible. And I say failures in air quotes, so just imagine me doing this every time I say it. David was a failure. He committed adultery. Moses disobeyed God. Peter denied Christ, and Noah got crunk. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork. I'm going to say it again. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Do you think that God prepared works for you to do and thought, they're not going to fail. They're going to do this perfectly. No. Sometimes I feel like the movie Elf. Where like he, he knows where he's supposed to be and he knows what he's supposed to do, but he's just making all these mistakes all along the way. And so I just want to encourage you, like God has good works prepared for you to do. You don't have to be perfect. He knows you're going to fail. You just have to keep saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So what? I had a failed marriage. Maybe you had five. Doesn't matter. Yes, Lord. Failure can label you really hard and really fast. We label others really hard and really fast with the label failure. I want to read you some scriptures that are going to build your faith this morning. Will you stand with me? Philippians 1.20. Eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ be exalted in my body, whether it be life or death. Proverbs 24, 16, the righteous may fall seven times, but still get up. The wicked will stumble into trouble. Second Corinthians 4, 9, we are persecuted, but God does not leave us. We are hurt sometimes, but we are not destroyed. Failure isn't final. Failure isn't final. It's not final for you, and it's not final for someone else. Psalm 40, verses 2 through 3. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and he set my feet on a rock. Making my steps secure, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God that many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Guess what? Your failure has a song at the other end of it. Your failure has a song and a praise at the other side of it. 
And guess what it says? I love about this scripture. They said, many will see and fear and then put their trust in the Lord. That's why we let people fail forward because your life is a testimony. So if you fail, don't get worried. Say, oh, no, 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 no. I have the hope of glory. Christ in me made known. It is a mystery because I'm human. But guess what? It's Christ in me. My failure isn't final. If you have failed this morning, maybe you're in the middle of a failure. Lift up your hands. Close your eyes. Give everybody privacy. Christ in you is the hope of glory, not your ability to figure out the outcome, not your ability to figure out how you're going to do the next step. It's Christ in you that's the hope of glory. God can handle your failure. Can I pray for you this morning? Lord, I thank you that you're able. God, I'm thankful that you use our failure. God, I'm thankful for grace and mercy and change and renewal. God, I'm thankful that you put our feet on solid rock. God, I'm thankful that you make all things new. All things new. And so this morning, if there's somebody here who has not accepted Jesus into your heart, don't overcomplicate it. Romans says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that's it. You know what that prayer sounds like? Yes, Lord. That's it. I'm going to pray for you this morning. Jesus, I thank you for all the failures here, God. I'm thankful that there's no perfect people allowed, Father. Lord, I'm thankful that Christ in me is what matters. Not my failure. Not my fear. Not my disobedience. It's Christ in me. God, we lay it at the cross. We throw it at the cross. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if you stuck around this far, I can tell you that your life has probably been changed. This service was so good. All that noise you're hearing right now, that's the V1 headquarters. This place is hopping with people. Why don't you guys find us online? Type in www.v1.church. Send us a message and let us know what God spoke to you. And we will see you soon.